the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick. Sorry, kids. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. This is a different perspective with Kevin Randall. Kevin is a retired United States Army Lieutenant Colonel who has studied UFOs for more than 50 years. His military training has provided him with unique insight into military operations and UFO research. Kevin has investigated many of the most mysterious cases and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries and been interviewed on hundreds of radio and television programs about UFOs. Considered to be one of the leading experts on the Roswell UFO crash, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs including Roswell in the 21st Century and Encounter in the Desert, a re-examination of the Socorro UFO landing. Now here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to this edition of A Different Perspective. I am, in fact, Kevin Randall. Before I introduce my guest today, Joe Mergia, uh, I want to explain that on August 10th, at about 1230, we had a major storm here. It's called an inland hurricane. The uh, It's called, a, I guess, a derecho. I had never heard that term before. Uh, the power went out at 1230, didn't come back for days. We were told, based on instrumentality, and I love that word, instrumentality, that the winds topped out at 106 to 112 miles an hour, and weather experts later said the top speeds were about 145. I mean, a weak four, category four hurricane. Took down the power grid in the county. 98% of the people lost power. We were without power for days and days. Took down the internet. Once we got our power back, the internet didn't come back for another two weeks. So I have been out of the loop, cleaning up the yard, cleaning up the house, taking care of all that stuff. I don't know how much of this got played in the national media, but for us, it was a disaster. 67, 68% of the trees in the city were downed. Big, huge trees laying on their sides with the roots exposed, houses with the trees down the center of them. It was just an utter disaster. What I found interesting was that most of the people got out to help themselves. We had a tree come down and cross the street. We were, we're in a cul-de-sac, and as you get out, there's a, two walls that kind of uh, at the end of the street, so we passed those walls. Tree fell from one side to the other. You couldn't get past it. And rather than waiting for somebody to come and save us, uh, we got out there and, and, and uh, cut up the tree and got a path through so we could get out into the uh, into the city. I was kind of annoyed at people sitting on their curb saying, why isn't somebody helping us? And I'm thinking, why aren't you out there helping yourselves? But for the most part, I mean, people got out there, took care of one another. We were all working together to uh, get back to the new normal. And I just wanted to mention that because of all the nonsense going around in the rest of the country, it was really nice to see everybody come together in our town to get things working. And it's almost back to normal. 
As I said, my guest is Joe Mergia. He is originally from Selden, New York on Long Island. He moved to Los Angeles in 2006, where he worked as a camera operator on such shows as Gene Simmons, Family Jewels, and Wife Swap. In 2009, he made another move to Las Vegas to work with work as the director of photography on History Channel's hit show, Pawn Stars. And I think there's a lot of questions we could ask him about that, but unfortunately, we're not about Pawn Stars, we're about UFOs. He's now a freelance camera operator, and he continues to shoot on various reality shows, including 90 Day Fiancé and his all-time favorite gig, Vegas Golden Knights Hockey. After reading Communion by Whitley Strieber in 1996, it sent him down a paranormal rabbit hole in which he now resides. Joe runs a blog, www.ufojoe, uh, all one word, all lowercase, ufojoe.net, where he focuses on the latest information about UFOs, ATIP, the government's secret UFO program, as we all know, Tom DeLong's To The Stars Academy of Arts and Scientists and Related Paranormal Subjects. His latest is a 24,000-word, four-part megablog detailing his 23-year journey related to the Wilson Davis crash retrieval documents. And I will say I read that document twice in preparation for the show. He's a prolific user of Twitter and chronicle of interesting information. After studying UFOs for 23 years, he still doesn't know where it all, what it all means. Joe, welcome to A Different Perspective. Joe, anybody? I am here. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was on mute, but uh, thanks for having me, Kevin. I'm looking forward to this. Been looking forward to this for a little bit. Well, we, um, I think we're basically going to explore the Eric Davis, uh, Admiral Wilson document and how it relates to crash retrievals and research that's been going on. And as I said, I, in fact, I spent yesterday reading your your treatise once again. Um, quickly, let us let the listeners know what exactly is this Wilson Davis, I'm sorry, yeah, Wilson Davis document about Admiral Wilson and uh, Dr. Davis. What's this document about? So basically in April of 2019, a friend of mine, researcher Juliano Marinkovic said, hey, there's something really interesting that popped up on Reddit. Uh, and I took, I took a look at it and it's this 15 page document that purports to be a meeting between Dr. Eric Davis, an astrophysicist who worked with NIDS and also has worked as a subcontractor with the ATIP and OSAP program for the government. Now, NIDS, and, NIDS is the National Academy of Discovery of Sciences um, yes. that was run by Robert Bigelow for a number of years, just and, so everybody's up to speed on what NIDS is. And Eric Davis worked as, the, as a senior scientist for six years with NIDS. Um, so I think... The meeting allegedly took place between uh, Dr. Davis and Admiral Thomas Wilson, who at the time, he was the, he was the director of the Intel Defense Intelligence Agency in 2002, when Davis supposedly met with him in Las Vegas. And they had a, a discussion about, and now I can talk about what the discussion is. Do you want me to go back to when I first heard about this story back well, in 1997? Let's, let's go with what the discussion, they, what were they discussing? What did they talk about? So... Wilson claims that he was told about information related to various UFO programs by Dr. Stephen Greer, uh, Commander Will Miller, and Dr. Edgar Mitchell. And supposedly Greer gave him this NRO document that had listings of code words and code names for 
SAPs and USAPs, un unacknowledged special access programs. And Wilson claimed that he went searching for this program, talked to various people, was able to locate one program, spoke to the program manager, the, the attorney, and they invited him out to where this program was. He didn't say where it was. And he said he flew out to it and he met with them and they would not give him access to the program because they said he did not have a need to know. But they told him, they, they told him, according to Wilson, according to the notes, they told him what this program was about. Basically that it was a reverse engineering program and they had an intact craft. That's the we, Well, we should, we should clarify one thing. Uh, these are notes that were taken by Dr. Davis and Dr. Davis is repeating what Wilson allegedly told him, but Admiral Wilson has denied, A, that the meeting took place or that any of these events took place. Wilson, he's denying the document is authentic. Wilson has not, he's denied it really, and vehemently denied it uh, on four or five occasions. He's denied that he met Davis. He denied that the meeting took place. He denied he was in Vegas in, in the recent past. So, yeah, if you, if you and, and it's given me pause Many times when I was working on this, I'm like, am I wasting my time here? Because Admiral Wilson's denials are really strong. Now, the, what helped me is I, I met Eric Davis online back around Thanksgiving of 2018 when we were arguing about Bob Lazar. And I was like, hey, there's a documentary coming out about Bob Lazar. And he's like, it's a waste of time. Bob Lazar is a fraud. You're wasting your time. He's a liar. So we started talking privately and then we developed a friendship. And then when this happened, I, you know, we'd been speaking for several months. I said, hey, what are these notes that just appeared online? Can you talk about this? And his only his only response was no comment. And Eric Davis and I've spoke, you know, I've spoken a lot with him over over the last since 2018. He never gives me a no comment. It's always paragraphs and paragraphs of what he's learned about UFOs. And it's really educational for me. So I always appreciated that. And then when I saw no comment, I'm like, OK, maybe there's something to this. So that's when I just started looking into it and seeing if I could find any other sources that back up the allegations in the notes. Because, yeah, there are people that that totally think these are bogus notes. They're not legitimate. And I just from all the people I've spoken to and some of the stuff I can't talk about, it, but I'm convinced they're real notes, whether or not, you know, it's an actual representation of what Admiral Wilson told to Davis on October 16, 2002, whether or not. Let's what? let's take a step back here because I think it's important to uh, for, for the audience to understand one thing. Admiral Davis did meet with Edgar Mitchell, Stephen Greer, and um, an, another couple of people long long before this. And I think that Davis uh, Davis I'm, I'm sorry I think that Admiral Wilson probably met with him because Edgar Mitchell was involved. Edgar Mitchell, of course, being the sixth man to walk on the moon, so. Uh, had some certain credibility there. So there is a, a certain amount of continuity there, but when we bring in uh, um, Dr. Davis, then we're moving into a realm that I don't think is as solidly referenced as that other meeting that took place uh, in Washington, D.C. No, I, no, I agree. And, and even, even early on, when I first, in April of 97, I, I was listening to Coast to Coast when you know, Stephen Greer, Dr. Stephen Greer comes on and says, hey, I just we just a month ago, we briefed. Uh, uh, a, he said it was a joint chiefs of staff fellow. That's what he said at the Pentagon a month ago. We briefed a joint chiefs of staff level fellow. And I was like, do I believe this? You know, I was skeptical. I'm like, I, you know, I, I listened to the story. It sa he sounded like he was telling the truth, but I didn't know for sure. Um, and then three years later, I met 
Will Miller, who Commander Will Miller, who was a military commander in the Navy, who during his spare time he had he had his own experience back in 1970 aboard a destroyer in Vietnam. He had a, a USO underwater submersible object come towards his uh, cruiser destroyer, and that was what got him interested. So over the years, he would give briefings to various higher ups in the Pentagon. So he, along with Mitchell, yeah, they went and they talked with Wilson and and Wilson. Miller had written to Wilson two years before asking if he would like a briefing from Greer. So in 1995, there's a letter from Miller to Wilson asking him if he wanted a briefing. So it started back then, and the briefing does, does, the Miller Miller's a retired naval officer, and he works for Stephen Greer and his organization, C-SETI? He used to. Not he anymore. Used, is there a falling out that we need to know about, or is it just... He's gone off in different directions. Yeah, there's nothing that I know of specifically as far as falling out. Maybe there was, but I don't know. Um, so now he's just retired. He lives in Florida. And I met him in 2000 when he was he was doing an interview down in Florida, and we became friends. And um, eventually, right before I wrote my blog, I asked him, I said, can I interview you about the notes? And he really didn't want to talk about it because he had given an interview the year before, and he basically said the letter was a cut and paste. It's not a real letter. Um, so I asked him some of the same questions and he didn't want to, he didn't want to answer those questions. So to me, like if it's, if it's a cut and paste, it's easy. You could say it a year later, it's still a cut and paste, but he was like, I have no recollection of writing the letter. Um, I asked him what parts of your letter are problematic, you know, or what do you think is a cut and paste? Like you said before, is is, is this the, is this the uh, 15 page document or is this a separate document you're talking about when you say letter? It's part of of the 15 pages so i think it's okay. i think it's page three and four it's a letter april 25th 2002 from miller to davis to dr davis saying you know i i can help you and hal put off with locating crash retrieval information uh stuff like that it's all ufo related um and he says i'd be willing to assist you your ongoing research he goes but there apps there must be absolutely no mention or association of my name with your work or investigation, I have absolutely nothing to gain from a, such an association at this time and possibly much to lose. And it just goes on to talk about various crash retrieval information. Okay, let's, information. let's take a break. Let's slow it down here and take a break here because I have to do that so we can make some money. Um, I do want to uh, thank those of you who purchased a copy of The Best of Project Blue Book. I notice people are rating the book. And I would like some reviews up there as well, but I appreciate all that help. It's been up and down on the Amazon bestseller list. So if you enjoyed it, please rate it and write a review. That helps spread, spread the word. And uh, be sure to take a look at Encounter in the Desert, which is about the Lani Zamora case uh, in Socorro, New Mexico, and Roswell in the 21st century, which I think lays out the cases it stands today. I, all these are important things that we need to, uh, need to do to help kind of spread the word throughout the UFO community. You are listening to A Different Perspective on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. I'm here with Joe Magia, and we will be back right after this, so please stick around.
Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. I am here at my IKEA desk with a nice microphone sitting on it. I'm talking to Joe Mergia. We're talking about UFOs. We're talking about this 15-page uh, document that sort of popped up in the last few I guess it passed up a couple of years ago, but it has been getting a lot of play now, which deals with uh, Dr. Uh, Eric Davis and his meeting with an uh, admiral, a naval admiral, I'm so said an Air Force admiral, a naval admiral, about UFOs, about the possibility of crash retrievals and that sort of thing. And uh, we're trying to get some in-depth insight into this. Once again, I want to make the point that Admiral uh, Wilson has vehemently denied that the meeting took place. And Dr. Davis has released the, this document, uh, and you can see it in many, many places. Um, you can probably see it as well at um, ufojoe.net, uh, and, and the long document that Joe has put out there about it. So when we went away, we were kind of talking about this, and I think we need to kind of focus back now, move back down to the document. So Admiral Davis is suggesting, or Roger, I'm sorry, Admiral Wilson is being quoted as talking about crash retrievals and that sort of thing in this document. Is that correct? That is correct. He's saying that the program he found uh, dealt with an intact craft uh, from a crash retrieval program. And just back to his denial, his, his, his strong denials, in the actual notes from 2002, Wilson tells Davis, quote, if you blow my trust, I'll deny meeting you, deny everything said, won't meet with any more people without clearances to talk about this topic. So that that's there. If you believe it's a represent an accurate representation of what was said that day, 
then it shouldn't be. It's not surprising to me that he would deny it. But I have I have other people telling me they believe his denial. A lot of people. And like I said, I I it gave me pause. Right. I mean, I wrote twenty four thousand words. So several times during those weeks, I was skeptical and doubtful and wondering if I was wasting my time. And I'm I'm close enough with Eric Davis that I would assume if I was wasting my time and these were bogus notes, he would have said something to me. But he didn't. He didn't. So take that for what it's worth. It does. It's not evidence of anything. But that's just my personal view and experience. Well, when I looked, when I read over your document there, I noticed there really wasn't any, shall we say, hardcore evidence in there. It was uh, a lot of discussion about what other people said and what other people believed, including um, Commander Miller and and Stephen Greer and and that sort of thing. But there wasn't any place I could go to verify the information. And I was a little bit worried about that. Well, you should be. It's like, there's no, I, I can't, we cannot prove this at this point. The evidence is anecdotal. It's people telling stories. We're never going to know if this is all true until we actually get access to the craft. One of the more interesting pieces of information that wasn't in the blog, but it's on my, it's not in that particular blog, but it's on my blog in, you know, a few months ago, Dr. Bob McGuire, who's a research professor at Virginia Tech, he's a former chief scientist at the Hume Center at Virginia Tech. He said that in 2004, 2005, late 2004, early 2005, on Facebook, he put this, and I talked to him since on Facebook privately. He said a colleague of his showed him a letter from Admiral Wilson, where Wilson confirmed the 2002 meeting with Davis and the content. And according to McGuire, this person wanted advice on how to proceed. And McGuire told me, quote, he goes, I believe this thing is dated because Admiral Wilson was a stickler for protocol informality. I knew him when he was DIA head, and I did work for them as an associate of the Institute for Defense Analysis, uh, which is how I came to know Wilson. I think it was 2004 or 2005. The reason is I returned from an overseas deployment in 2002. I recovered, recovered and began a major technical development in 2004. In late 2004 or early 2005, I, w- I went embedded at United States government entities that IDA worked for. So he knew Wilson and he saw a letter from Wilson t- talking about the meeting with Davis. So that's another point that a lot of people don't know about because they'll read but, the blog and they will. But the problem with that, the problem with that is now we're, we've got another guy talking about a document he saw, but we don't have that document. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. And, and, I, and I'm, like I'm saying, my, my blog does not prove anything. And it's not, nothing will be proven until either Wilson admits that the meeting took place in 2002. And even if that does take place, Kevin, then we have the next problem is, was Wilson told the truth by this program manager in this special access program? He could have been lied to. The guy could have been making up a story. You know, there are other people like, you know, Luis Elizondo was on Tucker Carlson saying he believes we have debris from a UFO. You know, once again, it's it's only words. But in the end, we need to see the craft. Well, will it happen in our lifetimes? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm of course, I'm hopeful and excited of, the, of that possibility, but it may, may not happen. Well, let's 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 go a little bit to dra- different direction. And I promise you, we wouldn't I wouldn't quiz you on Del Rio, the Del Rio UFO crash. You could bring it up. I understand why you bring it up. But but I have a hypothetical for you. Uh, Dr. Davis has been quoted as saying the Del Rio crash is real. Let's say for the sake of argument that it's not. It's a hoax. Does that harm Davis's credibility? 
If you could prove it's a hoax, yeah, it would harm his credibility. If he came out and said something was real, yeah, of course, you know. You know, I, I but but I don't know what he's basing that information on, and I know people people have questions his questioned his clearances and access to the information. I don't. I mean, I know the guy well enough. He's not or anybody anybody who knows him knows he's a straight shooter and he just speaks and sometimes he says too much on some of the story some of the shows he's done on coast to coast some of the stuff he says you know it's like are you able to say this it's like right on the line i mean it's not according to him the way he gets the way people get access to this information is you have your clearances and then you speak with other people who are in other programs and you say oh you you worked on ufo's too right well what can you share with me i have clearances and they'll share specific information up to a point they won't tell him. Obviously, they're not going to tell him everything. But he goes, that's how a lot of information is shared between people in these programs. You don't have to have the need to access, a need to know in that specific program to get information about that program, according to him. But there's also, but, but it's a lot of talk about what people said and what we've overheard and what we may know. And when we get down to looking for the evidence, when we have things we can look at specifically and we find out that there's problems, um, and, I, and a question to, to ask Dr. Davis is, which Del Rio crash is he talking about? The one from 1948, the one from 1950, or the one from the, the mid-1950s? What information does he have specifically about it? Because that would be an important thing to know. But the, 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 the point simply is, if that is a hoax, and I don't know what it would take to prove to you that it's a hoax, other than the guy who originated the story um, wasn't who he said he was, um, that would harm his credibility, but let's take it as a step further because in your document, you referenced um, Stephen Lufkin, I believe, who was involved in this in some fashion. And, and Stephen Lufkis was supposedly a Brigadier General and that gave him some credibility, but it turns out he was the Brigadier General in the State Guard Association. And so to prove my point, I became a Major General in that organization. All you had to do is fill out the forms, pay your 35 bucks, and you could be a, a, a general in that. Uh, pay a lesser fee, you could be a sergeant. You could be whatever you wanted. It was an organization sort of set up to um, help the National Guard in its uh, missions, but it had no real status in, in, in the military organizations and was not recognized by legitimate military organizations, but he is one of the, the people I, you mentioned in, 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 the, in your document. I know it's one of the people that Stephen Greer swears by, and I'm, I'm worried about that sort of thing, that when we drill down into the bottom of this, we come up with stuff like that. Uh, uh, to be fair, Lufkin did work with the ASA, I guess, in the Eisenhower White House as an NCO when he was doing his military service and became, a, I guess, a I shouldn't say I guess. I know he became a a, a lawyer and had his uh, and was an important lawyer, a partner in a law firm. But this this um, sort of invented credibility of him being a brigadier general is is quite worrisome. And 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 I find this spread out through an awful lot of this stuff that we're talking about here. Yeah, well, I read your piece on Lufkin when I first learned his name, and I was like, uh, he should not have been he should have not been invited to the pentagon on that trip and stephen greer i have lots of problems with stephen greer so that's not not anything i've hidden i've written about that i've spoken about it um but then you have edgar mitchell is edgar mitchell lying when edgar mitchell in 2000 you know edgar mitchell started talking about this in 2007 and 2008 he was giving interviews saying you know we went to the pentagon 
And he never mentioned Wilson. He never outed Wilson. That was Greer who did that. Um, and Mitchell said, when at the Pentagon, we spoke with an admiral. He was given information. He went to look and he found the program and he was told he does not have a need to know. So people, uh, is Mitchell making that up? And then people say, well, Mitchell was just talking to Greer and getting his information from Greer and Miller. So it's not worth anything. And then in 2010, Miller, uh, Mitchell did an interview with H Plus Magazine and he says, quote, another contact of mine who must also remain nameless, I believe this is Eric Davis, because he's on classified programs, encountered the Admiral in Las Vegas where he had been looking for and trying to get into the so-called, quote, strategic, strategic access program. I think he meant special access program around the UFO incident in, and had been denied. So but, Mitchell but, learned but, about that in 2010. Let's, Kevin, 2010. Let's, was it so? Let's 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 slow down here, because here's the question: I, I have no doubt that Mitchell was telling the truth, but did Mitchell, Mitch, how did Mitchell come across the information that Davis met with Wilson in Las Vegas? Did did Davis tell him that? In which case, Mitchell is telling the truth as he knows it, but it's not necessarily grounded in reality. Yeah, well, I don't think Eric Davis is a liar. Liar, like you're suggesting. So yes, I'm I do not think suggesting that, that at all. Well, I'm well, just suggesting that we have some problems with the chain of evidence. I understand that, but and the reason the reason Mitchell would know that is because Mitchell was on NIDS. Mitchell was a part of NIDS. People in NIDS got copies of this, according to George Knapp, who was very close with the Knapp, with with the NIDS people. So that's how they found out about it, and that's why Mitchell had a copy of it. So when Mitchell when Mitchell died in 2016, they found these notes. On his estate, somebody luckily, his family was ready to throw out all of his UFO information. Somebody came in and said, "Please let me have this." They said, "Go ahead, take it." And part of that information was this document, this 15 pages of, of information. So that's why we we would have never found out about this. People people were like, "Well, Davis just Davis spoke about it. He wasn't supposed to sp speak about it." No, Wilson asked him what he was going to do with it, and Davis said it's for personal private use, and it was handed out to some of the high higher ups at Nick. Kids. And that's how well, that's how Mitchell got it, and that's how we found out about it when he died and when he passed away. But the problem here, I think, I think you're missing my point. Is it all? I'm not. I'm not missing your point. I understand. I've said this doesn't prove anything. I'm telling you what I've learned, and it doesn't. We're not going to learn, or we're not going to have proof until we get the craft. I mean, I could I could tell you so and so said this, and so and so said that. I mean, Luis Elizondo and Chris Mellon could come out today and say, yeah, we believe there's a craft. But it doesn't prove it until we see it. You know, it's all anecdotal. I understand that. I mean, I wrote that knowing that all of my evidence would be what if and anecdotal. And this person said that and this person said that, you know, and there's nothing, there's nothing more I can get and, right but, now. But, and this is the feeling I got reading your reading your document was we have a lot of testimony from people, but we don't have any documentations. I can't go someplace and FOIA the information. I can't go someplace and get additional information from a governmental source. And I understand if it's a special access program, it's virtually impossible to get that sort of thing. But the real point is that what we're dealing with here sort of all comes back to Davis. And and you've got the document that, that Edgar Mitchell had, but it we trace it back to Davis. And Wilson says, no, this never took place. So we've got a real problem here. And when I look through this, you, we mentioned Lufkin just briefly. And uh, I, uh, I, I talked to Lufkin, I think, one time and was able to discern that he was being misrepresented as a former brigadier general, uh, which hurt, hurt all of that. 
But before we get into that, I guess in depth, I, I realize looking at the clock that I'm going to have to take a break here. And I do want to mention that uh, there are some other fine programs about the paranormal on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Uh, take a look at the listings at X-Zone, the X-Zone website, which is xzbn.net, and you can scroll down and I'm sure you'll find something that'll be of great interest to you. And you can find pro my, my programs from the past up there as well and take a look at all of that sort of thing. Uh, and I also want to mention, once again, if you get a chance, take a look at the, the Best of Project Blue Book. And coming out in May, I have a book called UFOs in the Dark State, which I think will uh, open up some of the questions that uh, we're, we're dealing with here today. So as I say, you're listening to a different perspective on the Exxon Broadcast Network, and we'll be back right after this. here and listen to the music periodically to see where it goes. <laughs> All I always hear is this little segment of it. Anyway, I'm here with Joe Mergia. We're talking about um, UFOs. We're talking about specifically, I think we were getting into the 15-page document that Dr. Davis sort of released <laughs> that came about through um, searching the papers of the late uh, Edgar Mitchell. But um, one of the things that um, I wanted to ask you, Joe, specifically is what is your opinion of MJ-12, which fits into this discussion at some point? I've never spent any time on MJ-12 because I know about the controversy. Some people think it's real. Some people think it's not until I had, you know, I, I heard Hal Putoff, Dr. Hal Putoff speaking about a crash retrieval document that had leaked online. So I was like, okay. He goes, we don't know how it leaked online, but it's online. So I, I started asking him around, and I found out which document he was talking about. Um, it's the 1961 SNIE MJ12 document talking about, you know, if I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware of. Was it in my fourth part of my blog? I also have a separate blog on that where there's it talks. A, there's a um, there's a message at the end of the part four of your blog. That, that mentions MJ-12, and I think that's the document you're referring to. Right, and talks about if, if a Russian, you know, if a UFO crashed in the Soviet Union yes. and, and they thought it was ours, they would maybe start a nuclear war. So I've had everybody and their brother tell me it's fake. You know, it's all fake. Um, I had, uh, Eric Davis has spoken about it online, saying why he thinks it's a legitimate document. And I have another source with Need to Know Access who said he's examined the original in the office where it resides in a three-letter agency. So I, I do think that document is real. And if it's real, then I would think MJ-12 is real. But I'm, you know, I'm by far not an MJ-12 expert. I mean, Will Miller also said that uh, Admiral Wilson's aide told him that they went searching for MJ-12 and they they found it, but they were told they don't they did not have a need to know. So they they struck out on that. So I, I do think. If that document is real, then MJ-12 is real. What is MJ-12? I don't know. I mean, that's just one document. Well, my problem with MJ-12, and I hesitate to bring this up, is the Eisenhower briefing document from 1952. And in there is a single paragraph that talks about a UFO crash in the El Indio de Guerrero area of Mexico, which is basically the Del Rio crash. And if Del Rio is not real, then that document is fraudulent. 
And that kind of collapses the entire MJ12 um, MJ, MJ12 mythology, I guess. Uh, and the problem is we have, I guess, thousands of documents about MJ12, but none have a provenance. We can't get back to the original source. When Moondust leaked in 1985, 1986, the State Department inadvertently, in a cache of FOIA materials to Robert Todd, it included some documents labeled Moondust, Project Moondust, which was a classified project, uh, not necessarily a special access, access program, doc, uh, but, but a, a classified program nonetheless. And we could FOIA stuff and learn about Moondust. I was going through the Project Blue Book files and actually found four cases labeled Moondust in the Project Blue Book file. So we could get a provenance on that. But when we get to MJ-12 and some of this other stuff, we never can get the provenance. It's always a document that came from somebody else and it can only be traced back so far. And people have talked about, I saw the documents. Uh, Robert French, retired Lieutenant Colonel, had a, had a wonderful military career, uh, earned the Silver Star, in, in Vietnam uh, as, as a fighter pilot, claimed that he had read the MJ-12 document. But it's, to me, it's, it's a hoax. And that underscores the credibility of these people when they start talking about the document because we can never get a provenance. Yeah, I mean, that's why I've kind of avoided that I've avoided the MJ-12 issue for such a Forever. I mean, I never really got into it because I know of the controversy and this particular document, um, you know, it's one document and I don't, I wouldn't have got into it if I hadn't heard that this, that it leaked online. And actually, I know this is not fair to do, but I, I was told where the document leaked from and how it leaked, but you can FOIA, FOIA it all day. You're not going to get it if it's you know, as you know, it's if it's if there really is an MJ-12 and it's that highly classified, sending out a FOIA is going to do absolutely nothing. So we're stuck. And, and I know. And like I said, I, I had so many people tell me, don't publish it, don't publish it. And I'm like, well, I trust my source. The source says they examined the document in a three letter agency with other people authenticating it. So to me, I trust my source. And now other people but like we don't, but we don't know who your source is. I understand that. I'm just telling you my opinion. So, but I understand other people saying, "Well, I don't know your source, so it's still." <laughs> I get that. I get it. Well, you know? in this, in the world today, when we're we're getting all this information from secret sources and highly class sources and people in the know, and then we learn later that those people didn't know, or they're changing their stories, or somebody's misquoted them, or somebody spun their story in a different direction. If we don't know the source, it's really kind of useless information. Yeah. Well, it's. Uh it's up to me. Should I, when I get the information, I found out that document, should I not share it? I mean, I found out where the, what document he was talking about. Some source told me, this is the document Hal Putoff is talking about. This is it. This is where it is. Robert Collins, it leaked on his line, on his site and people are connecting Doty to it. And they're like, you got it from Doty, didn't you? You got it from Doty. I'm like, no, I didn't get it from Doty. It's like, I've never well, spoken. Well, well, let's take a step back here because now we're, we've thrown out a couple of names here and, and, and I'm sure people have become lost. Um, Collins was part of the aviary, which was created by Bill Moore when he was doing his research into MJ-12 and the Roswell UFO crash. And he was giving code names to the pe the various people. And I forget what Doty's, uh, not Doty, but I forget what Collins' code name was. But Doty was all part of that as well. And Bill Moore and, and um, 
and R Richard Doty are the ones who came up with the original MJ-12 documents in the 19, 1980s. And so we're now back to another another instance where, we, A, we can't get back to a, a provenance on the documents other than Bill Moore. And Bill Moore had told Stan Friedman, and Friedman told me, Friedman told others, and Bill Moore told others, that he was thinking of creating a Roswell-type document because he thought it would free up the witnesses who wouldn't talk to him to talk about the, the crash at Roswell. So now we have a document, MJ-12, the original MJ-12 documents, the Eisenhower briefing document and the Truman memo that was attached to that, um, traced back to Bill Moore, who claimed he was going to invent a document, and that's apparently what he did. Right, and that's why I avoided MJ-12. I mean, it's a it's a mess. And I mean, do you do you think, as far as crash retrievals, do you think there have been any crash retrievals at all? I think if there's crash retrievals, there's probably been one. Yeah, I don't. Because I mean, here's the, here's the problem. We've defeated the problems of traveling interstellar distances, which are Hercule astronomical, to pun a phrase. We get to the Earth, and the UFOs are just raining out of the sky. I think Greer at his site had, last time I counted, was 310 crash retrievals. That's preposterous. If there were that many, we would know, because they couldn't cover up that much. I was at one point thinking there were maybe four or five. Uh, Shag Harbor, which is not really a crash retrieval, is interesting. I was convinced that Las Vegas was, but I think now looking at that, probably was a misidentification of a meteoric and a combination of some misinformation. And I say misinformation as opposed to disinformation. So I'm, I'm looking at the, the best case we have is Roswell. But there's all these other things. There's Aztec, which was created by two con men and is getting a lot of play in the world today. There's the Kingman, Arizona thing that um, I think Arthur Stanzel invented and the other people jumped onto that thing and Kingman's having a fest has a, had a festival or is having festivals about that about that crash. So when we get to it, there's just very, very few uh, cases where we can get to people that were involved directly and have a good uh, I guess a uh, file of testimony. When we get to many of these other cases, it's one or two people and their uh, their their um, backgrounds are a tad bit shaky. So when I look at things like MJ-12, and it seems to go up into smoke when you get as far as you can go, I become very concerned. And, and I brought up MJ-12 simply because you mentioned it in your, in your document. And to me, that's a red flag, as is Stephen Greer, as is Stephen Lovkin, um, as is uh, MJ-12. I mean, all of these things are red flags to me, and, and they're very, very worrisome. You know, as far as it, how many crashes, you know, I really didn't wasn't a big believer in crashes. I mean, I've always known about Roswell. So, yeah, maybe there's just one. Um, but I'm not convinced if there are, you know, I'm not convinced UFOs are from other planets. It's another thing. They could be Earth based. You know, they don't need to be traveling anywhere to get here. So I don't know. I don't know where they're from. But hopefully by now we would know something. But interdimensional time travelers, extraterrestrials, Earth based. I don't know. I will say one thing. My favorite theory, and I always get called on this, is it's time travelers, because that's the most fun. It is. I think it's one of the least likely, 
but it's the most fun, at least to my way of thinking. Time travel has always fascinated me. I did a series of books called um, The Time Mercenaries, where they, the original plot was they went back to win the Battle of the Alamo so that we would get Matamoras, which they'd found some oil in the, in the 80s. They'd found a big oil supply there or something. We tried to redraw the lines after the Texas Revolution, and they'd gone back in time to do that. But that's a whole other story. But I think, I think the problem is that when we get to uh, talking about the specifics of these things, where, whether it's the Roswell case or uh, Dr. Davis and Admiral Wilson, we run out of steam at one point, and that's before we get to the, well, the smoking gun. Uh, we can travel, we can trace everything back to Dr. Davis, but Admiral, ne Admiral Wilson, <laughs> Admiral Nelson from Seaview, Admiral, uh, Admiral uh, Wilson denies it, and he denies it vehemently. And when you talk to some people when they're, um, they don't want to lie to you, they don't want to lie, and they, they couch their uh, denials in weasel words, sort of a non-denial denial, denial as, they, as they talked about during Watergate, but, but Admiral Wilson is quite vehement in his denials that he was not involved in this sort of thing. And that should be, that should be a major red flag to anybody looking into this. And one of the things in my blog is the James Defense article from 2000 from Bill Sweetman, where, where he talks about if somebody in a special access program who has information about it and they're, they're asked about it, they're supposed to lie. That's what they're supposed to do because you don't know who you're talking to. And Davis says the same thing. He says, you're going to be lied to. That's the rule when people ask. You don't know who you're dealing with. So in these programs, you're going to lie. You're going to lie, be lied to. If, oh, if I understand that. that. I if understand. that's true, that, would ex that could explain denials by Wilson. But yeah, I, I agree. It's given me pause. His, his denials have been really specific. Well, when I was an intelligence officer, I got a call from a newspaper when I was at Richard Gower Air Force Base, when, back when I was in the Air Force. And he had information that I'd seen in classified documents, and I knew it was true. But he uh, was asking me questions, and I would just say, I don't know anything about that. And he was calling me all kinds of names and all of, all of that sort of thing because I wasn't giving him any information. But my sources were classified, and I didn't want to give him the opportunity to say that, um, you know, I, uh, unidentified intelligence officer Richard Bauer had confirmed this information for me. So I understand that. I understand that. But the other side of the coin is if you were not involved, you would say that didn't happen. And, and we have nothing else to suggest that it happened. We have the, the, the paper created by Davis, which you said came about from Edgar Mitchell, but, we, but Edgar Mitchell really didn't say that anything about it. He just had the notes in his UFO file. No, he just, just the 2010 interview where he said he, somebody, one of his associates, was in Vegas, and that's how, the, <laughs> that's how he found out about crash retrieval. So... Yeah, he doesn't mention Davis, and he also never mentioned Wilson. That's one thing about Mitchell. He purposely never outed Wilson, which was, which was great of him, although Wilson had already been outed by, by Greer. And when, when Wilson was first spoken to on the phone by researcher Richard Dolan, he didn't even want to admit that the meeting took place. And let's, so, uh, let's break here. We'll get back to Richard Dolan and the uh, meeting in Las Vegas right after this. We're going to have to take a, a, a swift time out here. You're listening to the A Different Perspective. I'm here with Joe Mergia. We're talking UFOs. We're talking Dr. Davis. We're talking Admiral Wilson. We're talking special access programs. See what we can learn about that. We will be back right after this. So please stick around.
We are back. I'm talking to Joe Magia, Magia about uh, UFOs. I have trouble with names that aren't simple, like Smith and Davis and Wilson. Sorry, Joe. Just no thought problem. I'd in. Trying to alibi myself here. Um, I guess what we were kind of kind of talking about there is the document, the 15-page document. Um, really wasn't attested to by by Edgar Mitchell as being authentic. It was just things that uh, papers that were found with his UFO archives or his UFO papers. Yeah, he never he's never spoke of this document. In fact, we didn't know the document existed. I mean, I, I, I've heard of the story since 97 when, you know, Greer talked about the meeting. And then over the years, Mitchell spoke about it. But nobody knew there was a document until last April when it leaked. And then we looked at it and said, oh, this is related to 1997 when supposedly Wilson, you know, encountered this special access program and he was denied access. And we we were excited when we saw it because we had all my friends, we had all followed the story from 97. We're like, you know, it's it's Greer, you know, and he's got a stigma attached to him. So it's like, is it true? But like I said, I became friends with Mil Will Miller over the years. But I'll say this and I say it in my, in my blog. I never spoke. I never spoke to Wilson. I never spoke to Miller about the meeting, which I do regret back then. So that's why before I put my blog out, I'm like, I have to call Will Miller and try to get an interview with him. And I have that as a separate, it's part of my, it's part of my blog and it's a separate interview too. And like I said, he could have easily denied that his letter, he had denied it to other people saying it's a copy and paste job. It's not a real letter because this letter is important. He's talking to Davis and talking about put off and crash retrievals. And for him to say, you know, I don't think it was real. I have no recollection. It was a cut and paste job he could have said the same exact thing to me but he didn't why well, that's hey, let, let's yeah. let's clarify one thing we're talking about two separate meetings here we're talking about one in 1997 where they went to the pentagon edgar mitchell stephen greer uh was i don't know if will miller was there uh, edgar mitchell was there and we're talking about a meeting in the back seat of a car in las vegas with davis and and wilson and so the, I always got the impression the 15-page document came about because of the meeting in the backseat of the car. No, you're, you're correct. That's, that's what the document is specifically about that. But it all, I think, it, I'm not sure if it all began in 97. I'm not sure how that connected to the meeting. I don't know how Eric and Davis this, found out. Go ahead. In this document, Admiral Wilson allegedly talks about crash retrievals, but he gives no specifics of what he's talking about. We don't know what, if he's talking about Roswell. We don't know if he's talking about something else. It's yeah, just crash and, retrievals. And the program manager says they have, they think they have some idea of where it originated. Uh, did not give the details in the documents. Those, de those details are not given just that it was not made by human hands, not made on earth. So, you know, that's all we have. And, and so we have we have Admiral Wilson denying that the, the meeting took place. We have Dr. Davis saying that it did. But when we look at some of the things that Davis has said since then are very problematic. We do not we do not have Dr. Davis saying that the meeting took place. Dr. Davis has never commented on it. That's one of the things in your blog. No, no, you you yeah. misunderstand me. I'm saying we have other things with Dr. Davis that are very problematic that he has said in the past. It's not necessarily related to this meeting, but things he's talked about that he supposedly came in contact with when he was uh, doing some of his some of his research and I, I think specifically of the Dell real thing which is what caught my attention when I uh, uh, I heard that and I emailed him and, and never received a response which I guess is not 
all that unusual. But I wanted to ask him specifically about the information about the Del Rio crash and what he might know about it and got no response. I even I even asked George Knapp to help me and, and George tried to and uh, I still didn't get a response. But I've got a number of other friends, Jerry Clark, for example, I believe, and uh, one or two others who tried to talk to or email Dr. Davis and got no responses. And I think that may be more a factor of him being inundated with probably thousands of emails from people. Yeah, he gets inundated. I know that, you know, because I do talk to him still and he gets inundated with a ton of stuff. And I have other people telling me the same thing. Can you tell him to respond to me, please? I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'll do my best. But the other thing is in the New York Times article on, that talk about crash retrievals, Davis was one of their main people in there talking about, you know, he they said he gave classified briefings to a Defense Department agency about off world off world vehicles not made on this earth. I mean, New York Times is a pretty big deal. New York Times is talking about off world vehicles. And then it said he gave classified briefings on retrievals of unexplained objects to staff members of the Senate Armed Services Committee in 2019. So. I mean, there are people questioning. I, I think the New York Times, they did their background checks. They checked out Davis. They checked out as much as they could. I don't think they got to write about crash retrievals without doing some vetting of him and his information. And plus, from what I know, the article was supposed to be a lot longer than it was, but the editors cut out a lot because that's what editors do. I suppose it was supposed to be supposed to be 2,000 words, and it turned out to be 1,000 words. I thought I thought the 1961 uh, MJ-12 document was going to be in there. I, I had sources tell me it was going to be in there, but what came out was short, but there's some interesting stuff in there. And I know a lot of people say, well, Davis has no credibility, so I don't know what you think of the article, the, uh, the Times article. Please, please note, I have not said that Davis has no credibility. I am just questioning some of the things he says and the sources of information. And while he may sincerely believe what he's saying to be the truth based on whom he's talked to, I am merely suggesting that some of the things that he believes are probably not grounded in reality based on my research and my discussion with literally hundreds of people about these sorts of things. Well, the basic is he met with, there are notes that I believe are legitimate, and he took down notes of what Wilson told him. That's the basic. I do not, and but I can't say, well, Davis, Davis stands by those notes, so that's, you know, that's, but he doesn't because he doesn't comment on it. So I understand, and I wasn't referring to you as far as saying he has no credibility. There are other people out there who just I, no, I, I, I understand. Him. I wanted to make it clear that I wasn't yeah. making those statements so it didn't get misinterpreted because we know how things can be twisted so easily in today's environment and how yes. people just go nuts. I wanted to make that clear. So what we, what we end up here is we have a document that apparently was found in Edgar Mitchell's papers. Edgar Mitchell never commented on the document and its authenticity. We have Admiral Wilson, who has commented on the document, saying it never took the the meeting never took place, and he doesn't know Davis wouldn't know Davis if he walked into the room. I think is what he said. We have Davis, who has never commented on the authenticity of the document either. He says no comment when he's asked about it. So we're really kind of stuck with some papers that just appeared in Edgar Mitchell's um, UFO files with no way to get beyond that thing. And it looks like it just peters out completely and totally when we get to the bottom of it. And that was the only, that was the only other thing he talked about. He did say, he said the note, the alleged note of the meeting leaked from Edgar Mitchell's estate. That's the only other comment he gave about it. But like Which I said, yeah, it's as far as we know, it's true, you know? Um, but like I said, he's, People can read the New York Times article referring to crash retrievals. And I think 
by the end of the year or beginning of next year, there should should be more media covering the Wilson Davis documents because obviously we need we need a heck of a lot more. Uh, obviously, the gold standard is a craft. Whether or not we get that, I don't know. But we do need more information. I'm, I'm told there's more coming out. For me, uh, right now, I've hit a dead end on it. I don't have any more. There are people I can try to contact, and I need to do that. But right now, yeah, it's I'm in a holding pattern for now. Well, if we can't get somebody to go on the record, you know, we have you have anonymous sources. I have I have anonymous sources as well, and I try not to rely on those people anymore because I can't tell you where the information came from. I may be I may believe the information is accurate, but I can't say this is where I got it and this is how this guy got it. Um, we can't go any further than that. So I've tried to give up on anonymous sources, uh, other than. Uh, I guess, minor parts of things that are corroborated more robustly in other areas uh, of, of research. So, uh, and, and, and when I read your, your 24,000 word document, which by the way, I want to say again, I read it twice. Uh, so people might be inclined to go to it. And I should mention it's at uh, uh, ufojoe.net, www.ufojoe.net, ufojoe.net. Um, when we get done reading it, it doesn't really prove anything. It's just highly speculative. That's my impression. I highly, I agree. It's not it definitely does not prove anything. I never thought I would prove anything. Um, I'm, I'm proud of that. What I did. Um, I collected all the information. I luckily I lucked out. I was friends with two of the people involved in the document. Um, but we need more information and. Hopefully, like I said, that media that's coming out by the end of the year will have on the record comments because, I mean, I would like to I have another person involved in the documents that other people have mentioned that I called. I got his number. I interviewed him and he's in my he's in my you'll, you saw if you read it, you he, you saw the anonymous interview with one of the people. I'm lucky. I, I He didn't want me to record it and he didn't want me to use his name. So I even I even left out details of what he did in the service because you would be able to know exactly who I'm talking about. But yeah, people don't want to talk about it on the record, except for Admiral Wilson, who's denying it. Yeah, so that's we've kind of we've kind of hit the dead end on this particular thing for right now. Then we, there's nowhere nowhere else to go. No, for now we're we're definitely in a holding pattern. Hopefully, like I said, on the record, people will come out on the record and speak about it. And I hope I hope Eric Davis gets to talk about it one day. But right now, according to uh, Brian Bender of Politico, if you want an interview with Eric Davis, you need to go through his employer, Aerospace, and go through their public relations department, because that's the only way you're going to get an interview. And I don't think they're giving they're giving him the ability to do interviews right now. So, so uh, I, the conclusion we draw from all of this is it was, a, for those of you interested in UFOs, really interested in UFOs, um, it's, a, it's an interesting read, but it is pretty much speculative and um, doesn't doesn't really advance our knowledge all that much. Yes. And, um, you know, like I said, I, th I think more is coming, but time will tell. You know, we have the UAP task force. We have the legislation going on with the Senate Select Intelligence Committee that supposedly is going to try to get. That's the whole big thing, Kevin. If, if there are these hidden secret access, pro special access programs you know, how do we get access to that? And one of the things, I brought it up to Will Miller, and he's like, well, if it was created illegally, he said, he goes, I think the people in that program can speak out and not face any legal repercussions because it was it was created illegally. Whether I or not would, that, 
I would not agree with that assessment whatsoever. If you're dealing with classified information, you leak the classified information, regardless of what the program is, I'm afraid you're going to find yourself in trouble. Yeah, Joe, I, I got to go. All right, Kevin. Thank you very much. I want to thank you for taking time to discuss this and 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 um, and say that I th I think that people, if they're interested in this, they should take a look at your at your document. It's at www.ufojoe.net. Uh, UFO Joe, one word, uh, all lowercase. Uh, thank you so much for taking uh, taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah, Kevin. Thank you. Appreciate it, and uh, have a good day. You too. Thanks. Back before the derechal hit. I was going to interview Robert Schaefer. We're going to talk about um, Stan Friedman, Philip Class, and that sort of thing. And we just haven't uh, got it done. We're going to do it next week. We're going to finally get it organized. We're going to finally do it. We're going to talk about that. There is, of course, up on my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, a long, involved uh, article about class and um, Friedman will give you some idea of what we're going to be talking about. But we're going to talk about how the skeptics work. We're talk about um, the personalities on both sides of the of the aisle, the the skeptics and the uh, true believers, and how they. Some of them have sort of the same mindset. You know, the, the, the skeptics is it cannot possibly happen. How can you be so dumb to believe it? And the believers is we've got all this information that is so good. How can you not look at it? So we'll be bringing all of that together. We're going to do a, a long discussion about that next week um, on, on the program. Also want to point out, uh, once again, I'd like you to take a look at um, Roswell in the 21st century, because I think you'll get a, a better idea of what the Roswell case was all about. I think it gives you the best information that's available with all the speculation taken out. I tried to look at it as a cold case and remove all the nonsense from it. Uh, there's more information coming out about the Lonnie Zamora case. Uh, ben Moss and Tony Angiola have done a book on, on the Socorro case, which... Um, uh, I guess is, I don't know if it's really in competition, but it's another take on Zocoro may give you some additional information. You might want to take a look at their work on that. Mine, of course, is Encounter in the Desert. And always take a look at uh, the best of Project Blue Book, because I think it gives you a better idea of what Blue Book was doing and some of the very good cases that are in Project Blue Book that have been overlooked for quite a long time. You have been listening to A Different Perspective on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. I'll be back in about 167 hours. Thanks for tuning in.